Holy Spirit, know thy means of the powerful intercession, be now for Mary, thy beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Anger is one of the seven capital sins, the seven deadly sins. They're called capital or deadly because they open the door to other sins. And sinful anger can lead to many bad things. Cursing, blasphemy, physically injuring someone else, murder, violations of justice and charity. And in our gospel reading today, Jesus warns against willful and sinful anger, which God judges severely. We know from our experience that feelings of anger can rise up in us very quickly when we are offended in some way. And a virtuous man controls his feelings, his emotions. If we give in to feelings, emotions of anger, we may injure others by our words, by our deeds, damage good relations with others in the process, and people who give in to sinful anger very easily, um, utter harsh words or even strike at other people physically, can lose even a lifelong friend or an alienated close relative. There are several examples of the consequences of sinful anger in the scriptures. When you think of Cain, he was envious and angry at his brother Abel. He killed him. Saul persecuted David, tried killing him on more than one occasion because he was jealous and angry at him. Sinful anger is an outburst of emotion that's connected with a desire for revenge, usually. St. Thomas Aquinas says that anger is the impulse to avenge an injury which one suffered, and that can be real or imagined, and oftentimes it can lead to shouting, to harsh words, um, even to physical attacks. Um, as an inordinate or disordered outburst of emotion uh, because of some offense, anger is usually, well, it can be just a venial sin. But it could be a mortal sin if one flies into a rage, unreasonably loses control, and especially attacks someone who offends you. And as an inordinate or disordered desire for revenge, anger is really opposed to justice and to charity. And it can, if a serious matter, be a mortal sin, if the matter is not serious, of course, it would be a venial sin. However, we must distinguish between sinful anger, whether venial or mortal sin, and just anger. Anger is not necessarily a sin. Jesus got angry. Anger is a proper response to an injustice, real or perceived. And you think of Jesus getting angry at the scribes and the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He raised his voice to them. He called them hypocrites. Uh, you can think of how Jesus picked up uh, some cords, made a whip of them, and threw the money changers out of the temple. He was angry with them. 
justly, he didn't sin by doing this. Parents don't necessarily sin by even giving their children physical correction. No, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. And we could think of even the Old Testament, Job, how Moses was justly angered, coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, seeing all the people worshiping a golden calf, the false god that they had worshiped. The Egyptians had worshipped back in Egypt. Well, this was all just anger. And anger is an emotion, a feeling. It can arise immediately without even us willing it. And therefore, it's not necessarily a sin unless it's will. And here, our free will plays a part. Our anger may be may be ignited over something, but um, we can hold our tongue, we can not do anything rash, we can learn to control our anger so we avoid sin. We always remain free, we can resist the temptation to unreasonable disorder anger. And being made in God's image and likeness, we have an intellect and a free will. And our emotions should be under the control of our reason. We're fallen creatures, yes, that's why our emotions may be out of control sometimes. But anger clouds one's reason. And you can almost say it's a type of temporary insanity. And in regard to a response, even to a just response, justly angered, uh, we, because of our inclination to go overboard and respond too harshly, we should always, uh, when we are angry, uh, if someone has said or done something, if we want to, say, correct them, we should wait until we're calm and our emotions have, have died down. Otherwise, if we respond right away, we may regret it later. I've written things in anger quick letter, okay, and just put it down and come back and didn't think I was being too uh, maybe offensive when I first wrote it, and then after a day or two, look at it and think, ooh, I shouldn't say this, and change the tone of it, maybe change some words. That's just good sound advice. Um, anger is a passion, which and blind the mind is difficult to control. If we give in to it, it is a sin. It leads to evils, as I've just discussed. And that's why it's included in the list of the seven deadly or capital sins. The Old Testament, one of the Psalms 37, says, Give up your anger and forsake wrath. Be not vexed. It will only harm you. Well, the epistle today from St. Peter suggests remedies to anger, especially to prevent us from falling into sinful anger. St. Peter speaks of fraternal harmony, mutual charity. He urges us to love our brothers and sisters, be merciful and humble, be united in prayer, to be of one mind. And he says, refrain your tongue from evil, 
So often our tongue is what really runs on when we're angry. And if you suffer anything for justice's sake, you are blessed. It is a mark of humility and of strength, of character, to be able to suffer what even we may perceive as an injustice um, in silence, and just bearing it in, in silence, offering that up as a sacrifice. And as followers of Christ, we shouldn't want to render evil for evil. That was the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth, but Jesus rejected this, and he says, turn the other cheek. If someone strikes me on the cheek, I don't feel like turning the other cheek. I feel like smacking them back. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. So we have to overcome our feelings and emotions. And Jesus, with the new commandment, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors, turn the other cheek, he does this as a way to stop the circle of violence that can just never end if, if we keep taking revenge and then others on us. And we see this patience and this meekness, especially in Jesus. And of course we see it in the martyrs, we think of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who you know, went to his martyrdom very meekly, but especially Jesus, he's the, the true model here. The Psalms tell us, like a silent lamb, he was led to the slaughter, led to the cross. And that meekness, that gentleness is the virtue which we need to cultivate against sinful anger. And Jesus, being our model, he says, learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart. And notice, Jesus names meekness before humility. I'm meek and humble of heart. We must pray that our hearts become like that of Jesus Christ. This is the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart. I have the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus out on the sanctuary to my left. For this homily, this Sunday I was preaching the other Masses about the Heart of Jesus as well. I have my favorite image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus painted by the great Spanish artist Ibarra, which shows that love in Christ's heart. Jesus revealed his heart to St. Barbara Mary Alec, who showed his heart to her. That's where we get the image of the heart surrounded by thorns, with a cross on top, and engulfed in flame, showing Christ's burning love for us, and that he was willing to suffer patiently and meekly the cross. And we should try to cultivate a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, to imitate his heart as one of the aspects of that devotion. Now, devotion, I'll just say, to the sacred heart of Jesus is not something that's optional. Now, we can have a devotion to the saints, different aspects of our faith, but devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus is required of all of us because it is devotion to the heart of the God-man. It's one aspect of devotion to the very person of Jesus Christ. And devotion to that heart of Jesus is really a devotion to what the heart symbolizes, that interiority, the interior life of, of all of us, but especially our Savior, one's thinking, one's willing, one's emotions, and especially with Jesus, his twofold love, both divine and human.
for God, the Father, and for all of us. And you know, Jesus made a couple of promises. Actually, there were 12 promises he made to St. Margaret Mary Alico uh, for, for those who have a devotion to the Sacred Heart. I'll just mention two of them. One is the um, enthronement of, of the heart of Christ in the home. Jesus says he will bless any place where his heart is revered. And this is the practice of enthroning an image of the heart of Jesus in the home. Jesus is the king of love. His heart is the symbol of that love. He reigns over us. His reign is a reign of love. And we acknowledge that in the home and in the family if we place an image of the sacred heart of Jesus in our home, a prominent place in the home. In other words, he is reigning over, over all of us. He is the king of kings and the king of love. We usually throw a an image of the Immaculate Heart of Mary beside the Sacred Heart of Jesus. If anyone would like an enthronement done, I'm happy to do it. Uh, in fact, there are beautiful images of the two parts available at Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. Just ask me, I'll, I'll come and there's a little ceremony, uh, gather the family around and, and enthrone the Heart of Jesus along with the Heart of Mary. Another great promise of, of Jesus for those who have devotion to his heart is the nine first Fridays. Jesus promised the grace of final perseverance. In other words, he will die in a state of grace. And um, receiving the sacraments as well for those who would receive Holy Communion on nine consecutive first Fridays of the month. You should all do this if you haven't done it. Um, there are stories of great sinners that have repented because of the fact that they made those nine first Fridays. In fact, they were told that by either Jesus or the Blessed Virgin, that you received the grace to repent because of those nine first Fridays. A couple of months ago, I preached on how I visited a nursing home in the area. I anointed a man who had refused a priest many times, but finally he did it, his deathbed. His daughter told me after I anointed him and heard his confession that he had made those nine first Fridays he was newly married with his wife, and we thought that, yes, this is probably the, the grace that he merited to have that, that grace of repentance before he, he died. We, we must try to cultivate in our hearts that meekness and gentleness that Jesus has exhibited to us as our model. If we have offended anyone by our anger, as Jesus tells us in the Gospel, before you come and offer your gift at the altar, go and reconcile with your brother. The judgment of God is a frightful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, says St. Paul in his epistle to the Hebrews. And we must remember the Lord's words. Everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. And we pray those beautiful words in the Our Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus warns us that we will not receive that forgiveness unless we are forgiving ourselves. Let us make that little aspiration we probably learned as children, part of our, our daily lives. Jesus, speak in humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine, and let us Pray in our hearts 
But those words that we read in our opening prayer, our collect for today's Mass, fill our hearts, Lord, with the affection of your love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 